Well, good morning. Um, I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors on the team. It is Palm Sunday, and today we will be um, in our second to last uh, Sunday in this series called One Another. And this morning we'll be talking all about serving one another. And so if you would, um, if you have your Bible with you or uh, on your phone, or you can just follow along on the screen, uh, I want to read the text this morning as we begin. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we come before you today on this Palm Sunday recognizing the joy and the anticipation of what this day brings, and yet knowing that in just a few short days that things will turn quickly. And so, Lord, would you um, speak to us today? Lord, would your Spirit continue to cultivate what you are doing in this place as we desire to love one another, to serve one another well? Lord, may they be your words spoken this morning. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so, um, Trey, my youngest, my son, my only son, um, just turned one uh, a couple days, or a couple weeks ago, and it's crazy, right? Like, kid can't even talk, like, still changing diapers and stuff, but he has opinions, right? Like, you know that. And so, um, when we're reading books um, already, right, like, I get my very favorite book out um, that when I was a kid, Goodnight Moon, right? He, like, smacks that thing across the room, like, does not like the book, right? Um, but then he has other books, like, uh, Love You Forever. I don't know if anybody remember that one, reading that one as a kid. Yeah, he loves it, right? Like, literally could read it six times over, and he's, like, turning the pages. And so, um, we all have those, like, staple books as families or as a kid that you just loved growing up. Does anybody, anybody have that book? Like, you still remember in your mind, like, you know that book. Well, for some reason, um, when I was a kid, uh, we had, like, all the classic books, but we also had this book that, I don't know why, it just, like, sat around, um, like, our coffee table all the time. And um, it, it was this book. It's called Eat This, Not That. Um, really random, right? I don't, I, like, Why? Like, why would this be a coffee table book? And, and so really, like, the whole premise of this book, um, it's all about, like, fast food. And instead of, like, making terrible decisions when you eat fast food, you make, like, a, a decent decision, right? And so, um, honestly, it wasn't geared for, like, elementary school kids. It's probably geared for, like, a middle-aged person who has high cholesterol, right? But, like, I loved watching, I, lo- I loved reading this book because it was just fascinating. Okay, so, for example, here's, here's like, a couple of them that they have, all right? So, um, cheeseburger. Anybody, like, big cheeseburger fans, right? So, uh, you can go to McDonald's and you get the Big Mac, right? 540 calories, 28 grams of fat, right? It's like, okay, it's a lot. Um, but, so don't eat the Burger King Whopper, right? 760 calories, 47 grams of fat. Like, what in the world, right? Or um, you have, uh, if you're burrito, right? Like, you, you're just craving a burrito. Eat this. You go to Taco Bell and you get the regular steak burrito supreme. They say eat this. It only has 800 calories and 34 grams of fat. Check this out. Not the Chipotle burrito. Darn it. Anybody else? Like Chipotle burritos, nearly 2,000 calories if you just load it up, right? 1,800 calories and 49 grams of fat. Like Okay, so this whole book, as like an elementary school kid, I'm like, okay, flipping through all these pages, like, okay, eat this, eat this, not that, right? And so the thing, a bit, the thing about like all these foods, right, 
at first glance, it's like, okay, it's a burrito from Taco Bell or a burrito from Chipotle. Like, they seem pretty similar until you realize that they're drastically different. Like, once you start, once you consume that thing, or maybe on the back end, or 10 years later, you realize, oh, yeah, like, that is going to have a big difference. And so, it seems in our text this morning that we're basically handed this same type of letter from the Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia, um, that Paul is, is, is really just outlining these, these basic terms of what it means to love and serve one another, and what it means to exactly not love and serve one another. It's really just this original take, not about fast food, but it's Paul's idea of, of do this, And not that. If you're truly trying to live into this call, this command that Christ gives us to serve one another. And so you can take a look at this this passage, right? It's kind of broken up into um, two two do's and two do-nots, right? And so um, the the lighter ones, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Um, Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then there's, there's kind of the two other sides to that in the bolder text. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be, be destroyed by each other. I want to read this again in, 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 uh, in a different way. Right? So we have the, the this and the that. So do this, Paul says, if you want to serve one another. Brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So next Sunday, I hope you're able to to join us. We're going to have Easter, um, and it's this huge celebration. But the road to resurrection first goes through Holy Week, what we're about to enter into. And it really just begins with Palm Sunday. And so uh, what I'd like to do today is I'd like to look at this passage, this letter from uh, to the churches of Galatia, and um, and then really turn to this passage that Pastor Nancy read in um, in our Kairos Kids moment to look at the ways in which this triumphal entry is this perfect example, this visual of serving one another so selflessly and humbly in love. And then I want to circle back to um, this letter to the churches in Galatia. And um, here's here's my promise to you. If you uh, feel like you can't walk away with some like very practical implications of how you're serving, um, then you should like go tell Austin to fire me or something. Because like this should be one of the easiest ways in which we like take up our call to be disciples of Jesus. It's to serve one another. And yet, our community, especially living in Sammamish, like, we love to serve. Whether you have, like, a conviction or it's, it's, um, it's rooted in, in desiring to serve because of the way that Jesus serves, like, most of our neighbors would say we love to serve. And yet, there's a call that Jesus gives us, very specifically, to serve one another. And so when thinking about serving, I think there's kind of um, three lenses that we, we think about, right? So just first it's relationally. Like what does it mean to serve those people that you live with, that you interact with on a daily basis that, that are your neighbors? And, and then maybe there's this, this layer of like, what does it mean to serve communally? Like as a church community, but even beyond that, like what does it mean to go out and to serve 
in the community in which we belong and we call ours. And, and finally, what does it mean uh, to, to serve more on this, this global level or this cosmic level where, where God is continuing to make all things new and we're, a, we're just simply parts of that? What does it mean to serve through these three things. And I, I don't know if you've heard this before, but as a kid growing up, like there was always this thing that my parents would say, right? You, you can serve in a, in a couple different ways with your time, your talent, and your treasure, right? And, and, and honestly, it's a good framework, right? Because some of us have a ton of time to offer to serve, but maybe don't have the resources or vice versa. And yet we're all gifted in ways to serve. It's just a matter of how we steward those gifts that God gives us to serve. And so um, I, I want to look at the, the context of where these words come from Paul. Um, has anybody ever been to, been to Europe before? Traveled to Europe, and so uh, maybe uh, Eastern Europe or Asia Minor. Um, and so uh, Galatia wasn't like one specific spot. It was kind of like this region, okay? And so um, the question was like, what is going on in Galatia that, that Paul would write this letter of, uh, of, of pretty sharp words? And so um, anybody as a kid, like, I don't know, maybe it was your grandma, or for me it was my mom. Like, sometimes I'd open up my lunchbox, like, in second grade, and there on the napkin, like, was this really nice letter of encouragement, right? I love you, Mark. Have a great day, right? Anybody ever got those, like, maybe from your parents? Okay, this is not one of those letters, right? Like, this is Paul not writing love letters in lunchboxes. Like, these are, these are pretty sharp words. It's a letter of correction. And, and so Paul is actually pretty upset and, and is writing to the churches in Galatia to receive correction. And, and honestly, if we don't have the ears to hear today ourselves, I think we might miss what it means to even love and serve one another. And so um, most of the followers, the early followers of Jesus in the Jewish empire, um, they, they were, or excuse me, in the Roman empire, they were Jewish, right? And so um, quickly, many non-Jewish Christians began um, to grow, and then the Jesus movement like began to expand exponentially. And yet, there were Jewish Christians that were forcing the non-Jewish Christians to live like Jewish Christians, even though the non-Jewish Christians were not required to live like Jewish Christians, okay? I'm, I'm going to read that one more time. Um, there were Jewish Christians that were forcing the non-Jewish Christians to live like Jewish Christians, even though the non-Jewish Christians were not required to live like Jewish Christians, right? And so there was this group of people, the Jewish Christians, that were forcing the law, the law that they'd kept for thousands of years, onto these new converts. And Paul writes to correct them. And so here's one example, and you can read this later on, but um, Jewish custom was male, cir- male circumcision, right? It's right in Galatians 5. I'm not just pulling this uh, up. But all of a sudden, many new uh, non-Jewish converts, uh, Jesus was clear that, that these new converts were not supposed to just live back into the law um, in, in this term, um, male circumcision. And yet, there were people that were trying to force that on to new Jewish converts, right? And so, basically, they're just putting on expectations um, that were unfair, untrue, ungodly, and really just unkind. Um, and yet, uh, most of what is going on in the churches of Galatia are, is this kind of this back and forth between what does it mean to actually live new in this new creation? Does it mean we adopt the law? Or is there this alternative way? So this letter to the Galatians is is really just correction. A letter that offers an alternative way of living that embodied the freedom and humility of Jesus. 
And so Paul offers his first this or uh, this not that in Galatians 5.13. Check it out. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. He's saying, choose this. Choose freedom. Not that. A reason to indulge the flesh. And so um, when you hear the word freedom... Like, what, what comes to mind for you when you, when you hear the word freedom, right? It, it's, a, it's a word that we're pretty familiar with. Maybe it's a, a flag or the Liberty Bell or a, another symbol of, of history, American history, whatever. Um, maybe it's like turning 16 and getting that driver's license and you're like, freedom, peace, right? Like, see you, mom. Uh, maybe it's that. Maybe it's on the flip side and you're like, finally, we're empty nesters. The kids are off the payroll, right? Like I'm experiencing true freedom at this point, right? And so we, we know, or at least we have experiences in our lives that uh, allow us to, to experience freedom. And yet, what, what is this freedom? This freedom that, that Paul says is so foundational to, to not even um, serving one another, but to knowing Jesus and following Jesus. Freedom is, is actually foundational to serving. Freedom is foundational to serving one another. And if we can't grasp freedom, we can't truly serve one another in the way that, we're ought, that we ought to and that we're called to. Freedom is foundational. Experiencing the freedom of Christ is foundational to living the Christian life. And through the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that is actually where we experience our freedom. But then it's a matter of turning around and, and living out that freedom in the ways that we serve. Freedom is such an important word for us as humans, right? Seeking safety and a quality of life that has throughout history maybe even been threatened by things like slavery or human trafficking, coercion, or manipulation. Freedom, while so foundational, has almost kind of become like this cultural buzzword that we use to, to justify or maybe even condemn types of behaviors. If you think about it, like, freedom is actually a, a pretty deeply political word, right? Like, we each have different convictions about what freedom is, and yet as Christians, it's vitally important to not allow our politics to supersede or our discipleship, our, our politics to supersede our discipleship to Jesus, and yet I know I'm guilty of this, that when this happens, someone else often finds or someone else often becomes the center of my freedom. So, so question for you this morning. Who is at the center of your freedom? Is it you? Or is it Jesus? Like, who is at the center of your freedom? Is it you? Or... Is it Jesus? Like, how differently would it, our world be, our political systems, our communities be, if our, our friendships, our marriages, if we took ourselves out of the center of our freedom? What we desire, and, and actually placed Christ rightfully so on the throne of our lives to be the center of our freedom. Choosing Christ to be at the center of our lives. And instead, oftentimes, I, I, I choose myself to be the center of my life. 
And when that happens, I think that this very clearly plays out in two different scenarios. One, I know uh, you, you kind of have this, this mindset or um, this internal conversation that, that I know that Jesus will forgive me. And so I'm just going to do it anyway, right? Freedom is something that I experience. I know that Jesus forgives my sins. And so I'm just going to do it anyway because I know that I'll experience that forgiveness. Time and time, time and time again, I know I've fed myself that lie. And, and really all that's doing is replacing myself in the center where Christ should be in freedom. Or, or maybe this, this other side, that this internal um, voice that sometimes maybe you have too, is I'm just going to do what's best for me. Forgetting about my neighbor, forgetting about those that are around you. And, and clearly that's just when like pride or selfishness or anger or maybe even like just an apathy comes into our lives where, again, we've replaced Christ at the center of our freedom with ourselves. It's really simple, the ways that Paul is talking about freedom here. He's saying, choose freedom, not indulging in the flesh. Choose this and not that. Choose Christ at the center and not yourself. Choose Jesus at the center. And so then we have this the second um, really specific do this and not that that comes uh, in, in the later part of Galatians. It says, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. So here is our, our one another phrase that, that we've been working with uh, throughout the last several weeks, right? Serving one another truly, humblessly, humbly, selflessly, serving one another. And there's really not a more drastic contrast, right? Like um, uh, maybe like a Big Mac and a Whopper, right? Like pretty drastic contrast when you look at it, but this one is like pretty clear, right? Like uh, you either serve one another humbly in love, or you will be destroyed by each other. It's pretty clear, pretty clear contrast that Paul is painting. So what does it mean, or what does it actually look like when um, you bite and devour and destroy each other? Um, just recently, we had a, had a meeting with um, a missionary organization that does a lot of, of care and compassion work for, um, for women who are on the mission field, right? So their whole purpose, this organization called Thrive, is, uh, is to serve women that are on the mission field um, in um, very tangible ways, right? And, and so we had this meeting um, with her, and um, this woman be- began to, to share that by far the number one reason that um, people leave the mission field or, or come back home or, or just flat out get burned out is simply because of internal team conflict. Isn't that crazy? Like, you'd think that uh, you'd go out and be, like, burned out by, like, the food is bad, right? Or, like, really, like, spiritually heavy things. But this is actually a very spiritual issue that the ways in which people, at least on the mission field, are taken away or um, thwarted is simply just because of internal team conflict. Isn't that so sad? And isn't that so telling of the ways in which the enemy tries to attack us is from within and the ways in which we interact with one another? 
to me, I, I think about the ways in which um, Pastor Austin has um, really shaped and, and reset our, our, our church culture, or at least our, our team culture, our staff culture throughout these first 90 days, and, and has placed such an emphasis on um, just spending time together, right? And so whether it be Fika on Wednesdays, where you're invited to come to that the first Sunday of the month, or, or excuse me, the first Wednesday of the month, or, or just like passing, um, passing one another in the like there's this emphasis on um, sharing life together. Honestly, I think it's been one of the best things that we've got to experience as a team as we re-envision or re-see this new season. And, and yet, it's key leaders, it's all of us that call this place home. We have this invitation to see the ways in which serving one another is what we're ultimately called to, and yet, internally, the conflict or um, the, the disruption that could happen between you and I would be the one thing that would thwart us most commonly from serving one another. And so if we don't want to devour and bite one another, which by the way, that's like pretty um, vivid language, right, of, of really destroying one another. Like, if we don't want that, because I know I don't want that. I don't want Austin, like, chewing on my arm, right? Like, I don't want to be destroyed. What is the alternative that Paul, and ultimately that Christ, is offering? Simply this triumphal entry that we celebrate on Palm Sunday is this prime example of what it means to love and serve one another so humbly, right? Riding in on a donkey, just after Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, right? And so people knew that there was something special about this person. He could have easily come in with this whole parade, this army on a, on a big horse or whatever, and, and yet chooses to come in in such a humble way, right after performing one of the most miraculous things of raising Lazarus from the dead as a foreshadow to what will come just six days later. I hear this quote from uh, Philip Yancey. He's, a, he's an author which probably has some of the coolest hair that I've ever seen in my life. Um, he says this. He says, God's insistence on human freedom is so absolute that he granted us the power to live as though he did not exist, to spit in his face, to crucify him. And isn't that the picture of freedom that Christ gives us to do good with it or to also destroy with the same type of freedom? I want to close uh, just sharing a, a few different, again, practical, tangible um, stories, actually, of the ways in which we are invited into and, and are right now serving one another. And there's really no better example of this um, this choice between choosing to serve or choosing to, to destroy than what's going on in Eastern Europe right now. And um, seriously, la- last night at like 10.30, um, the missions team and, and a few others re- uh, received some communication from our missionary partners, Adi and Lavi in Romania. And um, I'm just going to read it. This is, this is what he said. It's from Adi and Lavi. He said, uh, we, we received multiple SOS calls from the city of Sarati, Ukraine. Sarnati, Ukraine. The corridors of evacuation from Ukraine are not being respected by the Russian troops, and civilians are shot and bombed. Very few escape to the border. The city of Cernati is a hub for collecting supplies for Ukraine. There's also a massive number of refugees located there, and they need help. 
This is Adi talking. He says, I have a former colleague from university who serves as a pastor, uh, and we've already talked. The situation for daily supplies is so dramatic. He even asked if we can support bulletproof vests for people who deliver food in these war zones. And so we decided next week, Friday and Saturday, to take a van of supplies to go to Ukraine in the city of Cernati. I know it's a dangerous trip, but I have no doubt I want to do it. So please pray for us. Lavi will wait for me at the Romanian border until I come back from Ukraine. Thank you all in advance for your prayers. We are encouraged by your support, Adi and Lavi. If that is not serving one another, friends, what is? And yet, we are an active part of that because the ways in which God has knit us together with Adi and Lavi through this season. Serving is a choice. Choosing to love and to serve, to putting your life on the line, like Hadi is in this moment, for the sake of neighbor, for the sake of the gospel. I think about the ways in which um, I'm constantly uh, uh, having those opportunities even in my own life. Um, growing up, I, I had this uh, example in my, my grandparents where um, every single morning for like, I don't know, 50 years or whatever, my grandpa has made my grandma coffee. Um, and so he'll make it and he'll come up and deliver it and he gets up earlier before him. So I was like, okay, I probably should do that too, right? And so, um, so I started doing that for, for Lauren. Um, and, and yet something started to happen for me when, when I did that. It was like, I don't know, year four, year five, where I would do that like every morning, um, happily, right? Because I'm an early bird. I'm like 5 a.m. Let's roll. So I take Trey in the morning, and she's not an early bird. Um, and, but, but something happened, like, year four or five. Like, I started to, like, keep score. I started to keep score of, like, okay, this is the, the amount of times that I've done something for you, Lauren. Like, what are you doing for me? Uh-oh. Anybody ever done that before? Like, with, with a friend? Like, this is what I've done for you. Like, where is the evidence of what you've done for me? And so I had, like, some serious work to do in my own life. Because it was destroying me. Like, I was keeping this unfair score, one, because the scoreboard doesn't exist at our house, and two, like, Lauren doesn't even know that scoreboard exists, and yet, like, I'm basing my whole serve opportunity off of this score. The real takeaway for us today, well, I I guess it's a couple things. Um, First, if you want to be serving in the ways in which Adi and Lavi are serving— there's an opportunity for you to give, plcc.org slash Ukraine. They're continuing to receive donations. All of that money is going directly um, to, to provide relief effort to all of these refugees that they're serving as they're flooding into Romania. So you can do that. Um, there's there's a, even other ways for us to, to be able to serve right here on this campus, whether it be in Kairos Kids or in youth ministry or in hospitality, right? But we desire to be people who live to serve in our, kingdom, or in our, in our communities to expand the kingdom of God. And maybe there's ways in, in which in your life right now that, that you are keeping score. You're keeping a score that, that is not serving one another humbly in love. And really, you'll, you won't serve one another humbly in love until you've had this real encounter with the living God. Right? Like, you can serve all you want, and, and it's still at the end of it, you might feel empty, or you might feel like, what was the point of that? until you've had an actual like, real-life encounter with the living God. 
and the ways that that will continue to shape and to reshape through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus gives us this example of humbly serving one another. Christ has chosen you. Jesus has chosen us, every single one of us, serving us through humble love, through his life, death, and resurrection, this example of humble love on this Palm Sunday. Our freedom, this freedom that we have, this choice of of choosing this and not that, this free choice that we have is through Jesus and for Jesus. And this is good news. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for the ways in which um, you've been at work and continue to be at work through these simple yet profound phrases of, of one anothering, serving one another. And Lord, through this time, I pray that you would continue to, to do, do a work in each one of us. Do a work in, in the ways in which we have been called to serve those around us. Do a work in our community. Lord, in the places, the workplaces, the schools, the relationships that you've called us to, may we take inventory of the ways in which we are called to serve one another. And Lord, may we simply just join you in the cosmic work that you are doing, serving us so that we can ultimately turn around and serve one another. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.